Hey everyone, this is the Faraway Farm Boy podcast, and I'm your host, Dustin. Thanks for joining me today. We have a very exciting guest today, but before I introduce her, I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsors. This podcast is made possible by Livestock Veterinary Services in Pitcher Butte, Alberta. Livestock Veterinary Services provides a wide range of services for livestock, including dairy herd management, cow-calf herd management, advanced reproduction services, medicine and surgery, and many more. If you're ready to see their expert veterinary team, call Livestock Vet Services today at 403-732-5322 or make an appointment at livestockvet.ca. This podcast is also brought to you by Chinook Dairy Service. Did you know that Chinook Dairy Service can fine-tune and optimize the performance of all brands of milking equipment? Call Chinook for a free milking system evaluation today. Today's guest is the general manager of Alberta Milk. She is a bright, well-educated woman with an impressive resume. Please welcome Frida Mullenkamp-Oudman. Frida, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I've Yeah, I have so many questions. Um, it's, yeah, very exciting to meet someone in your position and um, I don't I don't hardly know where to start. So uh, maybe tell me about your upbringing. I think that tells me the most about a person when I f- find out uh, like their background and stuff. It helps me know how they're going to fill their role in whatever job they're doing and stuff. So that, that's of most interest to me, I think, with most people. So Okay, sure. So I grew up on a cow-calf farm east of Sherwood Park. Uh, so I am a twin. I have a twin brother and then an older sister. And so grew up there um, until my early uh, early 20s and then um, moved out and went to university, did a bachelor's and a master's degree and um, worked for many years in government and then uh, most recently moved over to Alberta Milk. Wow. Now I have a whole a lot more questions. Yeah. Um, what did you go to school for? Um, so right after high school, I always wanted to be a nurse. Okay. And um, never liked blood, <laughs> but everyone said, you'll get over it. And so I did one year of nursing. No, I did Didn't not get, get over, over it. <laughs> it was not good. So then I switched over into human ecology, which was the new um, version of the old home economics program. Okay. And so I did a specialty in family studies, so counseling work. And then I did a master's also in the same uh, line of work. Ah, I see. In, in what was the counseling? Field? Counseling psychology, family studies. Oh, interesting. Work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so how has that helped you in your role today? Great question. Um, (laughs) It's helped me in a lot of roles. Um, You know, I think that just that sensitivity and understanding people Mm. and how to work with people and, um, you know, what are, how how do people, how do, how people work? Um, And, you know, we're all complex individuals. So not that I study everyone and try to figure them out. It's not that, but you just have that... um, that awareness, I guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been really helpful. A lot of work that I have done 
in some of my um, most recent work in government was a lot of conflict resolution mm. and building consensus and, and getting groups to resolve issues. So I would say that has also been a very helpful part of it. Huh. Yeah, that's that realization behind uh, how people work and stuff is so important. I remember the first time I had that aha moment, like uh, I was in a board, I was on the board for our local church. And just the way that the pastor said something, we we had had a AGM where a, a member, you know, became emotional about a certain topic, and and we were addressing the topic, but he was addressing the emotions of that person and yeah. why they felt a certain way, yeah. and uh, and just it was so eye opening to see that, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily the the issue at hand, but what was behind it and what yeah. people were feeling and thinking that drove their decisions and. That's uh, very important. So it's it's quite something. Yeah. When yeah. you realize that, and and I see that now in in our organization too in Alberta Milk, you see people who are very passionate about something. Yeah. <laughs> at meetings, and you, yeah, you, I guess you realize that uh, you know they're passionate for a reason. It's not necessarily that specific thing, but it can be other emotions behind it, and, and so uh, very interesting stuff. Yeah, because it's it's so true. Like when you see someone who's upset, yeah, sometimes it's about the direct thing that's going on, but oftentimes there are other stressors or issues that are going on. And to me, it's us. I'm I'm happy that we're starting to appreciate so much more the importance of mental health because mm. I think we we haven't paid enough attention to that as as a society, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and that's that's true for all industries. Um, yeah. Mental health is such a big part of it. And, you know, sometimes we we forget that everyone is a person mm-hmm. and they've, you know, they've got their challenges, they've got their stressors, they've got their joys, whatever right. it is. Um, but, you know, if we cut right to the, you know, to the issue rather than, okay, this is a whole person and there's there's other stuff going on here, we right. miss that part of it. Yeah. I've noticed that more lately with um, just in my personal life, like the workload and the, and how COVID has changed that and stuff like that. It's, it's, um, it's tricky to navigate uh, that sort of thing, you know, like, I don't, I'm not sure what it is, but it seems like, you know, our personal connections with people are, are just falling behind and we're, I don't know, it's, uh, it's just different, you know. It is, um, and so if we talk about COVID, COVID virtual 19, meetings, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, and yet there's there's a lot of introverts who would say, you know, the last eighteen months have been okay, <laughs> but the extroverts are going. The last eighteen months have been right. terrible. So, <laughs> what do we learn from that about each other? Yeah. And and um, but what I have really seen is the level of anxiety and um, that people have just as a result of COVID-19. Mm. The stats on that are are truly quite alarming. And so to me, that that just, yeah, it's just a part of how I see the world maybe. I, I try to right. really factor that into my thinking. And, and part of that is just my background and and the education that I've had, I guess. Yeah. And so you came out of college and then you went straight to work for the Alberta government? Uh, I spent one year working for a private counseling agency. 
Okay. Helping them. And then I went, yeah, straight into working for government. I started in research funding, um, so on the agriculture side. Uh, Did that for many years. And then I moved over to marketing council after that. Okay. How, How does that all work? Like, how do you apply for a job? In, in government? Is there like a website or like, I just, <laughs> okay, so the, foreign to me. Okay, that was 20 years ago. So, it, but <laughs> I, I still think, I, I don't think it's changed a whole lot uh, since then. Uh, other than, um, yeah, government, of course, has not had a lot of um, job opportunities in the last few years, just with a lot of the downsizing that has happened. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I remember my first job um, in government I applied for, and I'm going to say, I think they said there was over 400 applications, and huh. I, was the, I was the chosen one. So I was, <laughs> I was really excited. I was really happy. It was, it was a great role. And then from there, you know, it's just like a lot of things. You do that role, you do that well, uh, then you get encouraged for you know, hey, we got this role, would you apply? And then you apply to that. And then I was very fortunate um, when I worked for Marketing Council. I had worked there for six years, and that's the group that oversees the 20 marketing boards and commissions in the province, of which Alberta Milk is one of the uh, seven marketing boards. So that's part of the provincial government? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, So, and then the general manager of Marketing Council, he got pulled to do another piece of work for... A while, so then they said, "Would I act um, be ah. acting general manager?" So I said, "Sure," um, thinking that would be a month, maybe two. Turned out that was twelve months. The first act was disbanding the search <laughs> committee for. <laughs> well, it was interesting because I had done it for the full year, and when I took on that role as acting, I thought, "Well, I." You know, we had a lot of stuff that needs to keep moving. So um, yeah, I just I kind of filled that role like I was doing it, like mm-hmm. I wasn't an actor. And then at the end of it, they said, should we go to a competition or not? Um, and I said, no, I think we should go for a competition. I think. What does that mean? Like, um, So compete for the job. So, oh, I see. you yeah. know, like post it and then anyone can Great. apply because, um, yeah, I really didn't want anyone to think, oh, I got special treatment. So I, mm-hmm. I got the job fair and square and did that for another six years. So. Huh. Yeah. And then from marketing council, you went to... Then once again, I got asked to act as assistant deputy minister. So I did that for a couple months. Of what, sorry? Of the marketing council? Uh, no. So that was uh, so was assistant deputy minister role in the Department of Agriculture and Forestry. Okay. Oh. And it was the portfolio, I'm going to say at the time, I think it was food safety and technology. Um, so huh. I said... Okay, I'll try that out. So acted for a couple months in that. And then there was a competition, a different role, and applied as an assistant deputy minister and did that for just over two years. And these roles don't change with the changes in government? They no, stay the same? That's, that's exactly right. A lot of people think that the when you work for the provincial government, you work for a party. In fairness, um, in in Alberta, we haven't had a lot of turnover right. of political parties. So, you know, I understand where that perception comes from. But the public service is is neutral. That that's our role um, when when you work in the public service. You whoever the government is of the day, you support their policies. Uh, you might oh. feel differently about it, but that huh. your job is to support the whoever is in office. 
that may have not meant as much as it means today with our politically charged atmosphere, right? Yeah. Like, would you say that you could do your job um, better today or the, or that job specifically better today than you would years ago or just with how politically charged or like, it seems like everyone has like a, a political ideology that they work into their job, right? It's so hard. So like if I was a, conser- a, a really far right yeah. conservative or whatever doing that job, I would have some you know, it it would have some effect on my job probably or not, or is that not how that works? Well, I think you you have to make that determination. What are the things that you can live with? And what are some of the things that you just can't agree with? They don't match your values, right? And um, yeah, to me, uh, that was always something I was able to do. Right. But sure, there are issues at times, and it depends on which ministry you work on, work in, and sort of some of what what's happening, what what the the climate is, and, and right. some of the issues that, yeah, I think it's harder, easier for people. Um, but yeah, it's to me, it, it's one of those key things that if you if if you become a public servant and you are lobbying, let's just say, or advocating for your position, well, that that's not really right. what your role should be. Um, but it's it's a fine balance. There's no question. Huh? Yeah. And so and so you went from assistant deputy minister, Correct. of agriculture and forestry, and then what was after that? Uh, so then I took on uh, the. So I was acting assistant deputy minister, and then I was assistant deputy minister in the department for two years. And then uh, somebody called me and said, "Did you know Alberta Milk's looking for a general uh-huh. manager?" And I said, "No, I didn't know." <laughs> and they're like, "I think you should apply." And I was like, "Huh? Okay, let me think about that." And very cool. Then huh. I applied, and here we are, eighteen, nineteen months later. And how has how has your past experience helped in your role today? And because there, you know, you have so much government experience, it's that's invaluable, I would imagine. I think it is. Um, a lot of the work that I did when I was with government was around governance uh, and how organizations work, um, all the regulatory stuff. Um, and some of that right. strategy. So that really was was my wheelhouse when I was in government. Huh. Uh, spending the time in marketing council helped me really understand supply management, oh, helped okay. me understand national, uh, provincial, um, just, yeah, how those structures work, how policy is developed, how we change policy, how regulations, we do all of that <laughs> Yawn. work. Some people are just falling <laughs> going, asleep what? now. but it, <laughs> I'm but like, no, it's exciting work. <laughs> it's, uh, it's very exciting the way, yeah. you, uh, the way you put it. Cause it those, those topics are so broad and uh, yeah. there's a lot of expertise involved in doing that. Um, one of the things that I've learned as uh, being a delegate is like the – if you change policy or, or governance policy, it's a big deal. Yeah, it's yeah. no small thing, right? Yeah. You don't just change it overnight like you would in a smaller organization. Or yeah, it's it's so huge. Yeah, and and government is a huge partner with us, right? And so to me, having a great relationship with government, having a great relationship with marketing council to me is key so that, you know, when there are challenges or you want to make regulatory changes, right. um, you know, you're working together through that process because yeah. you need each other. So, um, Like, for instance, now we're changing our bylaws a little bit uh, to 
to change our governing policy and that you have to, because it's a marketing council, you have to put it through, how does that work? Sure. I'll, I'll, um, I'll describe that maybe a little. So each marketing board and commission in the province has three or four regulations depending. Uh, so you have a plan regulation, a marketing regulation, and then an authorization regulation as well. So really the key is the plan regulation and the marketing regulation. Those regulations are government's regulations, but they allow Alberta Milk and all other marketing boards and commissions, they each have their own, hmm. to operate as they do. And they set out you know, what the, what the role of Alberta milk is, uh, what the requirements are for producers, how quota works, how we interact with the federal system. Why do they have to play any part in what we do? It, you're talking to someone who shovels <laughs> manure all day. <laughs> yeah, it's the policy framework. Um, so federally, I mean, the policy framework is around supply management. So that's where oh, that whole okay. regulatory structure is. The second, uh, provincially, why why there are regulations because we're we're set up as marketing boards and commissions, which have a lot of authority in the province um, to guide and help producers who okay. want to be involved in dairy or chicken or wheat or barley, whatever it is. Right. And it allows um, the organization to assess a service charge to producers for the work that the organization does. So that's where mm. you need that regulatory framework to do all of that. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And, and what were we talking about before? I know I got lost on the on the policy stuff, but um, okay. So uh, back to your timeline. Yeah. So and then you. You got the job at Alberta Milk. Correct. So what went on from there? <laughs> well, so I started on basically December the 1st. And um, yeah, just understanding Alberta Milk a bit more. Did that take long? Like understanding? Well, you said you were familiar with CODA before. Yeah. So, you know, what's really interesting when I was general manager of marketing council, I worked with all the um, supply managed groups, but... You know, how dairy does it is slightly different from how chicken oh, yeah. does it, how <laughs> turkey does it, how hatching egg does it, uh-huh. how sugar beets do it, how... Sugar beets, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. So, yeah. Um, huh. Yeah. So they have a quota system as well. Um, so, yeah. So I had a, a good understanding, but then you realize there's a whole other layer uh-huh. of understanding <laughs> of how things work in the dairy industry. So... Yeah, I spent those first uh, three, four months really, you know, trying to learn that and getting up to speed. And then March, I want to say it was the 17th, um, was when we sent all the staff home because we were starting to see what happened with COVID-19. And so then I've continued in that, but so much of our time was spent really um, adjusting and figuring out how we were going to respond to COVID nineteen and right that um, was so that was uh, how many years after you got the job? Uh, not years, uh, months. Was it months? Four months. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's rough for you taking on a new job and yeah. then learning all this stuff. Well, in, oh. <laughs> and you know, building your team, um, you know, you know, learning who everyone is, right. and then suddenly not seeing them. For months and months, right? I mean, sure, you do virtually, and, you know, we talk about right. that too, about Zoom, and Zoom has been 
super on so many fronts, but mm-hmm. Zoom is not the same as sitting across from somebody and, and mm-hmm. you know, having six people together and having a discussion. So it was hard to build that team, but that's where I'll say, especially the, I call it our senior leadership team. Um, yeah, we would, we would, we met um, three times a week, uh, every week during COVID. And for a while we met every day right. just to deal with everything that was going on. Um, so we, we built yeah. a good cohesion, but it was very different than building a team like you would in a normal yeah, situation. That had to be tough. Yeah. Uh, so how, how do you um, maybe ex- explain to people like how the governance structure works in Alberta? Because I was just thinking, thinking about how you didn't get to know your employees which they are your employees at that point, right? Correct. And you, yeah. you can't really fire them and so on because you don't know them. But uh, maybe explain to people like how that works with our organization. Yeah, so Alberta Milk um, has a board of directors. So and the board of directors are the decision makers. So they always have been for every organization, the group that is um, has the legal responsibility, the fiduciary responsibility for Alberta Milk. They, right. they are empowered. They have... One employee, and that is myself, the general manager. So oh, I, right. I report directly to the board as a whole, not to the chair. Oftentimes, yeah, I, I spend much more time with the chair because we kind of funnel. It's the most efficient. Right, yeah. exactly. But I report to the whole board. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Alberta Milk has a delegate structure. Um, so they provide input to the board on, on different matters. Then I have staff that, um, then I have a management team that then staff report to, and then the managers report to me. So, oh, okay. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. That's how we work. Huh. And so some, yeah, people call the office and go, well, you should do this because you really, you work for me. And you're like, no, I work for the board. <laughs> Right. So. Well, and that, that is the, you know, it's one of the, our, our missions at Alberta Milk is that we as staff uh, support our producers, um, but we also see ourselves as uh, supporting the industry as a whole. So absolutely right. producers are a key part, but so are our processors, so are yeah. distributors, so are retailers, so are veterinarians, so are uh, feed companies, like so yeah. many different components. So um, yeah, and that's where you do need a board who says, this is the direction we're going. The board doesn't get involved in day-to-day things. Um, you know, that's where right. they say, Frida, that's that's your job. You are responsible for um, managing the organization from an operational standpoint. Yes. Um, but we have our strategic plan that that guides us as Alberta Milk as to where we're going. Yeah. And, and that's uh, changing as of late is, is what I'm gathering that we've kind of outlined better ways that we can be uh, involved in each of our capacities, like uh, board members, you know, only focus on things that are above the line as opposed to things that are below the line. Um, and so I think our organization will be much more efficient because of that change. I like to think so. Um, I, I think when the board focuses on the strategy, on the what, um, that just you know gives me really clear direction to then work with the staff and to say, okay, we'll figure out the how, because um, we've got staff who you know, are very trained in different areas. Right. A lot of people have a lot of opinions about different things, how we, you know, how we should run transportation, how we should <laughs> run a, yeah. a campaign, how we should communicate, whatever it is. But 
we have people who are trained in that. Um, so yeah. that's where staff figure out the how the board sets the overall strategic direction. Yeah. Everyone knows about transportation because they talk yes. to their milk truck driver every morning. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So the, one of the other things that I'm gathering is taking place is that um, we're much more, um, I want to say Western milk pool focused lately and, and we're kind of moving more in that direction just to be, well, one of the reasons is to be more efficient um, as, as far as staff and and other things. Can you talk a little bit a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so remember that um, before January of 2020, I had heard about this Western milk pool, not really knowing what this Western milk pool was. Learned quickly that, um, yeah, one of the realities is that, sure, we have milk that's produced in Alberta, but for the average consumer, they're looking for the blue cow logo. They're not looking for, oh, was this milk from Alberta or BC or wherever? It's it's Canadian mm-hmm. um, dairy, and that's part of our supply managed focus. So with that as well, we said when we work as a region, milk in Alberta might not always stay in Alberta. Milk might come in from BC or our milk goes to Saskatchewan, wherever mm-hmm. it is. So when we operate as a region... Um, that's when we get to calling it the Western Milk Pool. So the four Western provinces working together. Mm -hmm. And for me, when COVID-19 hit, the realization that, oh my, like the four provinces, and for sure, we can can talk about the P5 uh, later. That's Mm -hmm. that's another discussion. The Eastern provinces. Yeah, Yeah. but for now, let's just focus on the, the P4 we need to be working really well together because mm-hmm. if we've got a problem in our province, um, we don't want to create a situation in the next province. So how do we work together? Um, so that that's really, COVID-19, I would say, really um, pushed us to, to say, okay, we need to be communicating and working very closely to together. Um, Alberta is a province where we have too much milk for our processing capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're often shipping out milk to other provinces. So, yeah, we really need to work well with our partners then. Um, right. So that's been a big part of it. And then in the last while, um, really recognizing that it's it's to our benefit to work together. And, and now I'm shifting more to the operational side of saying, does it make sense to have four offices across the four provinces that largely do the same tasks? Mm-hmm. And, and maybe for some things it, it does make sense, but maybe there's an opportunity for efficiencies. Right. Um, maybe, and we, we started this already on the IT side, so mm. in, um, information technology, um, it you know if each one of us has one person, okay, that's great, but you know they have to be a Jack or Jane of all trades uh, to do that. But if if three or four provinces in the West say, you know what, why don't we pool our IT resources? Now we can bring in maybe a bit more of a specialty focus in some of those positions. And the three or four of those staff work together and serve all three provinces or four provinces. Right. Um, So trying to look at that because the other part is when you're, and let's just keep on going with IT, 
when your IT specialist goes on holidays and they deserve holidays, you don't want me coming to fix the server, right? Right, right. So how do we help each other? Or let's even go to a worse situation that somebody gets sick um, or right. or they leave very unexpectedly. Um, so now what does that province do if they don't have anyone? Okay, how do we, how do we right. then help each other? So that, that's something that we're actively exploring. Yeah, a lot of efficiencies to be gained there, although it's, it can be tricky, right, dealing with For sure. um, people on different boards. And, and, and the provinces have somewhat different uh, governance policy setups. Correct. I guess so. So amalgamating all these is, is quite tricky. And, and there's always some bureaucracy that you have to deal with as far as bylaws, I'm sure. Well, and, and each province has its regulatory structure, right? And right. and I I can't see that that's going to go away anytime soon, that we won't have, you know, regulatory responsibilities in each province. So we need to respect that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of other things that we can do still to build efficiencies and yet right. maintain a... Um, in province presence in each province. Right. That was the main thing is having grassroots um, input. Exactly. If we move to a governance structure that, um, you know, looks as if it's alienating the small guy, you know, that wouldn't be good. Yeah. I think that goes for a lot of organizations where if you, the more input you have from everyone involved, the more successful you're going to be, generally speaking. Is that? I I would agree. And, and, to me, one of the things that I've talked a, a fair bit about in in my work is diversity and inclusion. And right. that means different things <laughs> to different people. <laughs> it's a bad word around these places. That... But, you know, to me, it's, it's, you know, like yourself, getting a new entrant perspective um, in, into how Alberta Milk operates. Um, right. You know, that's on, the only reason I'm here. No, perspective. <laughs> no it's not. <laughs> but I mean, it's an important perspective. Sure, yeah. Or, um, you know, females. Um, you know, are we creating opportunities also for female right. uh, producers? And then some of our, our other um, segments of our population within the dairy industry are our Hutterite community. How are yeah. how are we hearing from them? And, you know, there's lots of other examples. And, you know, we have joked um, about you certainly don't want a group of middle to older white haired Dutch, Dutch men. <laughs> we have every kind of fifty year old Dutch white male. Okay, well you've said it. <laughs> And you know we 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 tease Heine as as the one Swiss guy, you know. Oh but, right. Yeah. But yeah, so it, it's it's important to be sensitive to that. It doesn't mean that you know. Okay, we got to find a new entrant. We got to find this. But it does mean we 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 need to create opportunities to hear those perspectives because they're important. Because mm-hmm. um, you know the industry isn't just about. Producers who started in in uh, in dairying twenty years ago, um, who you know came from BC or mm-hmm. uh, you know have have been on the farm uh, for years and generations, um, it, it's going to be different. So, so with that in mind, what do you think about about companies starting farms and and you know we always uh, say that you know, ninety I think it's ninety eight percent of fa- uh, dairy farms are family family farms. What's your perspective on that? Well, to me, 
family farms is, is one of those great pillars of supply management. So to me, it is an important part of who we are. And mm. I would like to see um, family farms continue in, in our industry. And I think Absolutely. there's a lot of room for that. Um, so I think we, we just need to be sensitive to, again, yeah, the world around us is changing, but yeah. always remembering um, one of the key pillars of our of why we have the system we have is, is supply management. And right. part of that is um, the role supply management and dairying and poultry uh, has in our rural community. So to me, it's mm-hmm. a really important part. Yeah, I've just been thinking more about it because I, I've just been looking at bigger farms and uh, and we talked before about how my farm, because of this this small scale, I I'm limited as far as the capital I can invest in technology, and that somewhat reflects on how well the cows are cared for, in regards to like well I just bought um, activity collars, and that means I can manage my cows better and. And I think maybe that means that I might make that cow healthier or, mm-hmm. or keep that cow healthier for longer. And and when I think about how a bigger farm might do that better, well, then I think, well, a big company that starts a big dairy farm, why they should be doing a really good job, right? So then I say, well, why not have these big mm-hmm. farms? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as long as they're, they take care of their cattle and I don't see an opposition to it. But. Yeah, and I think, you know, that it goes back to some of the diversity, recognizing that um, bigger farms and smaller farms and medium-sized right. farms, we, we need all of those different yeah. pieces. And um, I really appreciate your comment that, yeah, bigger farm doesn't mean that they're not looking after the animals. Right. Um, yeah. You know, and, and that's, I think, one of the other key Parts of our industry is animal care mm-hmm. and what we do, proaction and, and all of those mm-hmm. things to help our consumers understand that our, our cows are are very, very well cared for, uh, regardless of yeah. the size of the operation. Because that's the biggest thing with um, a bigger operation is, is the public's perception of how those cows are treated, I think. So let's say you had a 10,000 cow dairy, people think, oh, that's a, a factory farm, right? And, the, you know, they want this small farm with the red barn and the green grass. And it's just like, that's that hasn't happened for, you know, mm-hmm. 50 years. Like, why are we still pandering to the public's, you know, need for that type of thing on their milk jug? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. Well, I, I... I can see the need for it. Obviously, I know that that looks great and, yeah. you know... And I, it, you know, I think it's back to that balance. Um, the industry is made up of a lot of different size um, operations, and really, you look mm-hmm. at many industries outside of agriculture too. We are seeing more and more consolidation. Yeah. Um, so that is that is a way that is a trend that is one of the the things about the future. But what's important too is that we continue to have new producers like yourself who do enter the industry, right? right. And so that we, um, yeah, we, we continue to have that that balance in the industry so that mm-hmm. we don't just have all little farms or all medium-sized farms or all big farms. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, let's try to have a balance. Yeah. So how do, you, um, how, how do you do that with policy? You just leave it open or do you do a farm cap or how do you uh, kind of promote that healthy balance? 
Is that a tricky? That's a tricky, yeah. Uh, tricky thing you know, to and, and some, regulate. Some industries have those have those caps yeah. in place, um, and some provinces have those caps in place. Right. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's something to talk with producers about and see. Yeah, what is it that we we think is is the right balance for our province and right. for the country? What do you think the industry looks like 10, 20 years down the road? What what changes as far as um, well, not just uh, like we talked about the Western milk pool thing, yeah. and I think that's. I think that's definitely going to be a thing, right? Where we govern more efficiently or or do things more efficiently on that end. But what else would change in 10, 20 years? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, are there going to be less dairy farms as much as, you know, I would hope that there won't be a whole lot less. I do think there will be less. I, I think that's just, right. just a reality. Yeah. Um, so... Not sure what what exactly that looks like, but I but I do right. think that it will be there. Um, just two days ago, we participated in Dairy Farmers of Canada's AGM and talking about yeah some of the visioning also on the environmental side and how we yeah. how we continue to um, listen to consumers and what mm-hmm. what their needs are, what their perceptions are, and um, yeah how <laughs> we adjust to that. Uh, I think that's going to be real. I do think technology is going to play a bigger and bigger part of our mm-hmm. industry. And I know our chair, Stuart, uh, uses the term animal husbandry. Um, so how do we balance um, what using technology can do to help uh, also build our work in animal husbandry? So right. yeah, for not sure. that we become so just technology focused that we, we lose that soft touch kind of a thing. But how do we integrate oh, those together? To me, I think is going to be really important. Yeah. Okay. I never thought of that. And then the other part I believe is, is that we, um, and you touched on it, we need to become more efficient um, just in how we operate as mm-hmm. on the farm and how yeah. we operate as Alberta milk. Right. Um, we do enjoy um, a good milk price. Um, and, you know, part of that is it's quality milk, but how do we ensure that it continues to be profitable for producers? Right. But at the same time, we, you know, we have a price point that our consumers are comfortable mm-hmm. with. Yeah, we talked about that this morning in our meeting as well. It's a uh, it's very delicate balance, right? Especially with our competitors to the south. Yeah. And, and it's, there's a lot of things that go into that uh, price of milk. So yeah, very interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because if we have another another Kusma, for example, you know, where we once again yeah. give up a, a significant portion of our our market, yeah. um, that makes it harder and harder for producers to be sustainable. Yeah, very challenging. Well, I I have a, a whole ton of other questions, <laughs> but I want to uh, thank you for coming on. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate it, and uh, I hope. It gives people kind of an insight as to who you are. I know, um, like when I asked you to come on months ago or whatever, then, uh, you know, the whole reason behind it is, I think, to get people to get to know you because you're the new GM and like, oh, who is this, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so hopefully that gives people an idea of how you'll 
govern. I don't know if that's the right word, but how we'll lead in partnership with the board. And there right. we go. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, it was too bad because certainly doing this in person uh, versus virtually is is. I'm glad we chose to maybe wait. Sorry, oh, it yeah. was as no, long as it was, oh, no, but uh, but yeah, I uh, I enjoyed yeah. the opportunity. So thank you, and I would be happy to uh, to come back and do cool. another. Do another Sounds round good. of conversation. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, uh, thanks again. Take care. Okay. Thanks, Aston. Thank you for listening to the Faraway Farm Boy podcast, episode number 40 with Frida Mullenkamp-Oudman, the GM of Alberta Milk. This podcast has been made possible by Chinook Dairy Service. Did you know that Chinook Dairy Service can fine-tune and optimize the performance of all brands of milking equipment? Call Chinook Dairy Service for a free milking system evaluation today. Join me again next time on the Faraway Farm Boy podcast. <laughs>